and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and today we're going to be talking about Week 10 and jumping into what will happen in Week 11 through our game predictions. In addition, we will be having an eval on the whole situation involving Colin Kaepernick with the workout he's scheduled to take place on Saturday in Atlanta. We're going to have about 24 teams there evaluating and having representatives there to decide, is this kid still got it? the 32-year-old dual-threat quarterback. We're also going to talk about rookie quarterbacks this season and give a grade for what we've seen so far. There's Change My Mind segment, and as usual, our winners and losers. It's going to be a good episode, so without further ado, let's get it started. Obviously, the first story we're going to talk about is Colin Kaepernick finally getting another shot in the NFL, which is what we've been waiting for. It didn't matter what he did on the field. The fact was he was a good quarterback before he got let go by San Francisco. San Francisco's obviously doing well now, as you can see. But the fact of the matter is, for the last three seasons, Kaepernick has not been able to have a job in the NFL. Maybe because of the tension he built and how controversial he was. But on that same note, that shouldn't be what keeps a player from being in the NFL. With that being said, once again, He's now holding a workout on Saturday in Atlanta with assistance from former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson and former Dolphins head coach Joe Philbin. So he'll be doing throwing drills, running drills, doing um, evals in different aspects like the combine to show what stats he has and that he can still perform at a top level. And that he's been staying in shape. At first, there weren't many teams that were signing up off the bat. But at the moment, they have 24 teams that will be sending people to watch his workout on Saturday. So, with all that, you got to feel happy for Kaepernick because now he finally gets the chance to be evaluated fairly and for teams to make the proper decision off what they see. And that's a great thing. Granted, what happened the last three seasons shouldn't have happened, but it's a business. So... Here comes the question. What teams could we see Colin Kaepernick going to? You have a multitude of options here. So, I think the first team that could really use one are the Denver Broncos. Unfortunately, looking over the Broncos, you see Joe Flacco's hurt battling an injury. Drew Locke is supposed to be starting soon. But right now they have Brandon Allen who just won a game not too long ago against the Browns in his first start ever. So that's a good note. That's a good thing. But you got to ask yourself, is Kaepernick going to be the right decision here? I think it should be. Kaepernick should be right, hopefully, for the Broncos franchise. Granted that the protection isn't great, but it's good enough to the point where Kaepernick can get throws out, no matter if his only receiver is Cortland Sutton and his only tight end is Noah Fant. Doesn't matter. It'll be all right. Otherwise, Kaepernick's a good pick here. I think he'll help out the franchise a little bit as Joe Flacco recovers, as Drew Locke gets better. And when they by the end of the season, we'll see if he's still in Denver. They may let go with Joe Flacco if Kaepernick plays well enough. So it could definitely be a good fit there. 
Another team you got to look into here, the Detroit Lions. I mean, they're looking for someone that can bring up as a backup, a strong backup who they can rely on to bail out Stafford if he's hurt. As you all know, Matthew Stafford got hurt, and he's dealing with some neck and back problems involving some fractures. So he will not be playing again this week, and he will be playing the Cowboys. So the second week in a row, Jeff Driscoll is going to start, meaning meaning that they're going to need a backup very soon that isn't named Jeff Driscoll. So Kaepernick is a great option to explore because if he does well at the workout, you can now add somebody you don't need to rely on protecting in the pocket who has multiple weapons downfield to utilize, including Kenny Galladay, and Marvin Jones, not even counting TJ Hawkinson. So you have great options there. Don't forget that defense, even though they don't have Quandre Diggs anymore, they're still a good defense. So overall, this could be really positive for Kaepernick as a backup for Stafford because when things happen, you need somebody you can rely on, and Kaepernick's that guy. So he's always great at bailing teams out. Remember when Alex Smith got hurt and Colin Kaepernick had to come in? What happened? I think, the, I think we all know the rest is history there. They actually end up going to the Super Bowl. Should have won the Super Bowl, but we're not going to talk about that. And then the final team that could definitely use someone like Kaepernick. I mean, you have to go with the Cardinals here. The Arizona Cardinals also need a backup. Outside of Kyle, Kyler Murray, how can you really survive at quarterback? You really don't have anybody as a backup, a real backup. I think Kaepernick would do well in the Kingsbury offense, throwing downfield, and he's dual threat, just like Kyler Murray. He can jump in, he'll fit the system. I think it's a great choice. You still got Larry Fitzgerald there. You got Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. It's a good receiving core. Um, tight end position, a little shaky, but it's fine. There's no problems really there. Cardinals defense isn't the worst in the NFL, but they're not good. And then... Really, it's just they need help on offense. They need help on offense because the defense can't hold the team can't hold the teams back. Outside of Jordan Hicks and Buda Baker, they really can't do anything. It's the truth. So, if you want to be real about it, that's it. Kaepernick will add a new dimension to this offense and keep it flowing like Kyler Murray does. Kyler Murray is just ten years younger than him. That's the only difference. Kyler Murray is ten years younger than Kaepernick. Kaepernick's just older. That's the only difference. If he plays well and shows he plays at a high level, Kaepernick is definitely a worthy backup for the Cardinals. If you're talking about starting situations, I don't know. I don't see him going to the Bears. I don't see them making that move early or now because there's so many options you're going to have in the offseason. But there's a real possibility out there that, uh, that Kaepernick gets taken by a team after this weekend. But if I'm if I'm a franchise, I'm going to wait till the offseason. Because one, why are you really going to use him now, especially if you're not going to make the playoffs at the rate you're going? It's true. Unless you're an AFC team. If you're an AFC team and you're on the borderline of trying to get in, your quarterback's not helping, that's a different story. But in this case, right now, I think Kaepernick's better off not being signed this, this season and waiting till the offseason to get a deal done when they have all, when they have all options to explore for teams. That would be the best choice. And I hope teams make the right choice if Kaepernick does well. So yeah, the top spots I believe Kaepernick should be going to are the Broncos as a possible starter right now. 
the Lions and the Cardinals as a possible backup. But now this brings us to a new a new topic I want to talk about, which are the rookie quarterbacks. We've seen a lot of backups and rookie quarterbacks get their first starts in the NFL this season. Not I'll name them in order right now of teams that are of quarterbacks that have come out and played as rookies. Daniel Jones from New York Giants, Kyler Murray from the Cardinals, Gardner Minshew from the Jaguars, Dwayne Haskins from the Redskins, and Ryan Finley from the Cincinnati Bengals. He's only played one game, Haskins has played three, and then the rest of the guys have played nine or more. Obviously Minshew got benched, but still, I want to give a grade at least for what I've seen so far this season from these guys. So let's start right away with the guy, the guy I gave the lowest grade to, who is Dwayne Haskins. So why did I give Dwayne Haskins the lowest grade if he's only played three games? Here's why. The man's completion percentage sits at 61.4%. Now, I can't give you the rankings on that among quarterbacks because currently he doesn't qualify in that case. He doesn't meet among qualifying quarterbacks. So I'm just going to read you these and make sure you guys understand this. His completion percentage is a 61.4, which is 27 for 44 in three games. So he's had 44 attempts in three games. Not a good thing. And he totaled 284 yards. Okay. Like, the yardage compared to completions is pretty good. But the question is, what about the scoring rate? He hasn't thrown for a touchdown in those three games. Never threw for one. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. But no, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep Haskins in. You know, let's let him start the rest of the season. Um, four interceptions. Yep, four interceptions in three games. You heard that right. And his QB rating, or overall rating, you know, passer rating, is a forty-two point two. No, I'm not making up that number. It's a forty-two point two. Brian Hoyer has a higher grade. That's unbelievable. Dwayne Haskins, because of the rating and because he can score a single touchdown, and he's thrown four interceptions in three games because he doesn't have the experience and they threw him in because they don't care about the season, because of that alone, I have to say that Dwayne Haskins is a D plus. I can't, I want to give him a C and not sound like I don't know anything and just sound like I'm a hater, but I can't deny it. Dwayne Haskins is a D-plus quarterback this season as a rookie. That's why he's the lowest graded. And I know he's lower than Ryan Finley. But the fact of the matter is, Ryan Finley didn't throw four interceptions in three games. There's a difference. And his passer rating definitely ain't a 42.2. Definitely ain't. So, you know, I'm going to have to support my guy here. I'm going to have to say here that Dwayne Haskins is a D-quarterback. And that's an issue. So the Redskins need to look into that. Let's continue now, jumping into the next lowest graded quarterback, which is Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley's only played one game, so let's just get that out of the way. So there's no really proper way to evaluate him, but I got to do it anyway. So before I continue, Dwayne Haskins' record was also 0-3 in games. Ryan Finley's record in the one start he had was a loss, and that was against the Ravens. Now, granted, you're playing the Ravens' defense, so it's not an easy game, and especially for your first career start in the NFL. 
So with this being said, Ryan Finley has a 53.3% completion percentage against the Ravens. Again, understandable. He was 16 for 30 for 167 yards. Okay, not bad. One touchdown, so you got a touchdown off him. An interception. That interception ended up being returned for a touchdown. And then with a 66.9 passer rating. Now, the only reason his rating is so low is because he didn't complete enough passes to be above 60, and he threw an interception, and he didn't throw a lot of touchdowns. That's another thing. So because of that one game, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I won't give him a D because, you know, Dwayne Haskins deserved it. But I will be giving Ryan Finley a C-. minus. I know it's one game, but this is just a raw, a raw evaluation. So for the Cincinnati Bengals, Ryan Finley gets a C-. minus. Jumping into the next quarterback now, I have Daniel Jones next up. So in nine games this season, Daniel Jones is somehow, don't, don't even ask me how, he is 2-7 and seven in nine games. He has a 63% completion percentage, which now I can show you the rankings. It, ranked, it ranks 23rd out of all qualifying NFL QBs. 187 for 297, and then for 1,984 yards passing, 21st in the NFL. He has 15 touchdowns and 8 interceptions, 10th most touchdowns in the NFL among quarterbacks, and 8th most interceptions among quarterbacks. All in all, his passer rating comes out to 88. Not bad for this guy who's just starting out, got thrown into a tough situation with an offensive line questionable and a receiving core depleted to the max with injuries. So that passer rating ranks 23rd in the NFL. And because of this alone, even though I understand his situation, he's in. He's a good quarterback. I don't like the situation he's in. But again, I have to go with what I've seen. So I'm going to give Daniel Jones a C+. His ratings are not, his rankings are not high, but and they're not where they need to be. They need to be higher than that. You got to prove you're the franchise guy. I haven't seen it. This brings me to the second highest ranked quarterback here that I have, Gardner Minshew from the Jaguars. In nine games, he has managed to get this team to a four and five record. Now, why did I say nine games? I'm sticking with nine games because he did technically play the second half against the Chiefs. In week one. So I will count that. So he's 4-5 and five as a quarterback. He has a 61.2% completion percentage. Which is lower than Dwayne Haskins. And ranks 27th in the NFL among qualified quarterbacks. He has completed 188 of his 307 attempts. For 2,285 yards. That yardage ranks 14th in the NFL. He has 13 touchdowns and 4 interceptions. His 13 touchdowns are 18th, and his 4 interceptions are 21st out of all NFL quarterbacks. Very good number, though, in interceptions. Very, very good. I'm very impressed with that. He's smart with the football. And his passer rating comes out to a 92.8%. I mean, 92.8 as a passer rating. That's 19th among all NFL quarterbacks. Again, solid showing from a guy people didn't expect to become a starter. But he did, and he did well. So overall, 
because he's kept the Jaguars afloat, really, without having Nick Foles, I'm going to give the Jaguars quarterback a B. So he did a really good job. He's got a lot of potential there. But he needs some time to develop. And I think it comes behind a stronger line, a more improved defense. I think an ideal situation for him to go to. I really like seeing him if he was on in uh, Chicago. So if they made a trade, maybe send Trubisky over there, and they would get and they would get Gardner Minshew. I think that'd be a great deal. Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback, and I think he deserves a starting chance. I think they the Bears made a mistake with Trubisky, but again, won't go into that because I've said it so many times already. I think you guys got the point. And then my highest rated rookie quarterback is Kyler Murray. I don't think there's any denying that. He's got a 63.9 completion percentage, which is 20th in the NFL. He has thrown two, 360 passes and completed 230 of them for 2,553 2, 2, yards. Eighth among all quarterbacks in the NFL. Eighth! He's doing really well, guys. He's got 12 touchdowns and five interceptions. So he's got less touchdowns than Gardner Minshew, so that puts him at 19th. And he has more interceptions than Gardner Minshew, so that puts him at 13th among quarterbacks. For an overall passer rating of a 90.2. 22nd out of all NFL quarterbacks. Qualifying, that is. So he's got a lower passer rating than Gardner Minshew. More interceptions by one. And he's got one less touchdown than Minshew. But he has 300 more yards. And a, and a better completion percentage. Overall, it's a tight way to compare it here. Really trying to give each two a grade. But I gave the edge to Kyler Murray, so he has a B plus. In his time as the starting quarterback for the Cardinals, he is 3-6-1. But you can't put all the blame on him when your defense can't get the job done. It's true. So yeah, those are your rookie QB evals. Once again, I'll do it going straight down the list in order. In first place among rookie QBs, I have Kyler Murray at a B+. In second, I have Gardner Minshew with a B. In third, I have Daniel Jones with a C+. In fourth, I have Ryan Finley with a C-, even though he played one game. And Dwayne Haskins in the last with a D+, because you know, the Redskins really know how to mess up their quarterbacks. And that is all of our news this week and all of our talk this week in terms of Kaepernick and rookie quarterbacks. Which now brings us to our prediction time. Week 11 games are coming up, and we have 13 matchups, I believe. Nope, 14 matchups. It's hard to pick this week because there are a lot of good games, tightly contested. you got to know everything about a defense and an offense to really make the proper decision here. If you really want to know how to pick well, Look up the stats, because now would be the time to trust the team based off where they stand in, out of other teams. So, like, pass and defense. How do they rank? How do they rank rushing defense, rushing offense, passing offense? you got to look into injuries, how that's going to affect those teams. It's a long process, but here they are for you. Pittsburgh plays Cleveland on Thursday night football. It's going to be a tough game here. I see Pittsburgh always posing a challenge every time they play the Browns. But the difference is this time... Although the Browns' record may not look good at 3-6, and six, there is no denying that the Browns have a good passing offense that is better than the Steelers, and there is no doubt that their pass defense is going to shut down the Steelers, which means they'll have to go to a run game that is lacking James Conner, and I believe Jalen Samuels, 
So with that being said, once again, the Cleveland Browns are going to beat the Steelers. And I think it's because the run game is so strong, it's going to bypass the Steelers. And the Steelers' defense is not good enough to stop the Cleveland's passing offense. And that's why the Browns will get the win. Not by, not by too much, but it'll be a win for the Browns. And now we shift to Sunday. So starting off now with Houston Texans going to, pace, to play the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. A really tough game here statistically. These guys are pretty evenly matched. Watson versus Lamar Jackson. Two Heisman winners. It's going to be a very, very good game. I think it's going to maybe even be the game of the week. But there is no denying that Deshaun Watson can get the job done. Although they don't have J.J. Watt. That doesn't mean that this team isn't going to perform continually at a high level. Their running game for the Texans is still top 10 in the NFL. The run game for the Ravens, still top 10 in the NFL. The Ravens' pass defense, not as good as the Texans' pass defense. Not even joking you. And the run defense here to stop the run game. Baltimore's run defense is not as good as the Texans. Can the Texans contain Lamar Jackson? I'm not sure about that. If the Patriots had a problem, I'm sure they're going to have a problem. But that does not mean that Watson's going to take advantage of the secondary and make big, big plays. So I got the Texans beating the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore this week. Atlanta Falcons go to play the Carolina Panthers. Another really good game here. Atlanta had a great win last week over the Saints. Still shocked by it. But I shouldn't be. Atlanta's passing offense is top five in the league. Against Carolina's, whose secondary is, eh, questionable. But the thing is, Carolina's run game's on a different level this season. Atlanta's run defense is not good this season. I, I predict Christian McCaffrey has a big day. And they're going to win over the Falcons in Carolina. The Dallas Cowboys are playing Detroit. Not even a question. I'm taking Dallas. Matthew Stafford's out again. Jeff Driscoll's back. I don't know if Driscoll's going to do well this week. I mean, they lost to the Bears last week. So, you know, I'm, you know I'm going to take Dallas over this one. Dak Prescott goes in, tears up that secondary, wins the game. Expect a big margin win. Jacksonville goes on to play Indianapolis in Lucas Oil Stadium. Jacoby Brissett will be back. So with Jacoby Brissett back, you got to ask yourself, well, the Colts might win this, right? And my answer is not exactly. Because Nick Foles is also back. He's healthy, his collarbone's feeling great, and now he can go in and tear this team up. If anybody forgot, when you watched him play Kansas City, they were torching them and going shot for shot before he went out of the game. So, this means... That their gunslinger, Nick Foles, comes back. And I think he's going to do something. And it's going to motivate this team and push them harder. And they're going to go in there. And they're going to beat Indianapolis in Lucas Oil Stadium. Not only because of that. But because Leonard Fournette is going to have... going to be Not going to get the rushing yards he needs. Which means they got to rely more on the passing game to beat the Colts. And I think they will do just that. So Jacksonville beats Indy in Indy. Buffalo goes on to play Miami. Tough game once again because Miami's defense is actually pretty not that bad. They're they're actually kind of good, and Buffalo's pass defense. I mean passing offense. I mean Josh Allen's your quarterback. What else can I say? 
as much as I like Josh Allen, he's not he's not accurate. He makes a lot of mistakes you don't want to see. I see issues when he's flipping his hips to, to watch over the area and scan scan downfield. I don't like it. I'm going to say here, though, that Buffalo does win behind their defense alone. This is going to be a low-scoring affair, and Buffalo does win in Miami by the hair on their chin. It's going to be really close, and I think they're barely going to get out of this. Alive, or even with the win. Denver's going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings, and I can't help but say that the Vikings are going to win this. The defense is top five overall. The run defense is ranked top five, and the pass defense is ranked 10th, if I'm correct. That's going up against Denver's offense that's being led by a quarterback who got his first win against the Browns two weeks ago. So I don't know if that's really reliable. But nonetheless, I'm going to take the Vikings home. They're going to move on. They're going to go to 8-3. and three. Next game, New Orleans versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is going to have a, night, a tough game here. This is going to come down to the wire. New Orleans wins it. I think Bree still has the clutch factor to pull out this win. Michael Thomas has a big day. Alan Kamara goes non-existent, but so will the entire Bucks run game. And, and Jameis Winston makes a cru- some crucial mistakes, and that costs them the victory. Saints win it in Tampa. The New York Jets go to play the Washington Redskins, and even though we're talking about a Jets team that lost to the Dolphins, they're the same team that beat the Giants. So it, it's hard to really pinpoint how good the Jets are. But I will say one thing. That pass defense is good. But that run defense, horrible. Their passing offense, bottom in the league. Their running offense, bottom in the league. Their offense is last is dead last overall in the league. And they're going up against a Washington defense, which is also dead last in the league. So you have to ask yourself, it's basically a battle of whose offense is worse and whose defense is worse. And I think we're going to find out really quickly which Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback that the Jets are going to win this game. Because Dwayne Haskins makes too many mistakes. So if the Redskins win this game... My goodness, the Jets need to call this a season and just quit now. But I have the Jets winning this week. Arizona goes into San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Arizona's looking for a rebound game. They already played the Niners once. They're looking to come back and get the upset this time again. And I don't know if they'll get it. Kyler Murray just lost to Tampa's defense. Very close game, though. But I'm going to take the Niners here. They're looking to rebound. They want to get that back to their winning ways. They're going to go all out. I guarantee you they're going to get to Murray multiple times. He's already been sacked 31 times this season. But they're going to get to Murray. And he's going to make a couple mistakes. He's going to have like two interceptions. And that's going to be the game right there. It's going to be like the same margin. Maybe about a touchdown or two separation. At least score differential. But nonetheless, I'm still sticking with the fact that Kyler Murray is not going to win this game against the Niners. So San Francisco beats Arizona. We're moving now to Cincinnati versus Oakland. I don't know how anybody doesn't pick Oakland here. You're putting Ryan Finley against the Raiders defense. Not a good combination. You got Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs ready to tear up that 30th overall ranked defense. It's going to be a, it's going to be a slobber knocker. I see Josh Jacobs going over 100-yard rushing with two touchdowns. I see, I see Derek Carr going over 300 yards passing. I see this as a game where Cincinnati gets torn up and Oakland wins. 
to move to six and four. The Oakland Raiders. New England goes into Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, and they're going to beat the Eagles. It's going to be a close game once again. But the fact of the matter is, the Patriots are top five in everything. There's except for like the running game, but that's not a major concern. They're just too good all the way around to really be taken down. So with that being said, I got the Patriots being the Eagles. I don't know if the Eagles are going to pull away with this one. Carson Wentz doesn't have a good history against New England. Chicago versus the LA Rams on Sunday Night Football. Yes, on NBC, you're going to see the Chicago Bears take on the LA Rams. And the LA Rams are going to win. The Rams defense is very good. Not as good as last year, but they're good. Their offense is okay. And it's definitely better than Chicago. For Chicago to win this game, Trubisky needs to go off, make the connections downfield, somehow beat out Jalen Ramsey. And you got to see David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen work together to get over 100 yards from scrimmage each. They have to get overall, at least combined, over 150 yards of scrimmage yards. Between the both of them, they have to. That's the only way you're going to beat this Rams team. And their defense is really good. But I don't see it happening, so the Rams win on Sunday Night Football on NBC. And finally, Monday Night Football on ESPN. You've got Kansas City taking on the LA Chargers. And as great as a game as it's going to be, because the Chargers defense has defied odds besides losing two of their key safeties, I still see it as that the Chargers do not win this. I think it'll be close. But the Chiefs pull it out. Mahomes finally gets a win after coming back from injury. And they get back on track. Phillip Rivers is not going to have a good day against that secondary because they're actually, in case nobody knew this, the Chiefs secondary is top 10 in the NFL right now in pass defense and takeaways. They're very good. So, watching that carefully, you got to say here, Kansas City's defense is going to abuse Rivers and they're going to take advantage of that, make some big plays, help take some pressure off Mahomes. So the Chiefs get the win over the Chargers for Monday Night Football on ESPN. So let's repeat this again one more time. The Cleveland Browns will beat Pittsburgh in Cleveland. Houston goes on to take Baltimore and win in Baltimore. Atlanta goes to Carolina and walks out with a loss. Dallas goes into Detroit and comes out victorious. Jacksonville waltzes into Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, and comes out with a victory. Buffalo goes to play Miami, comes out of Sunlight Stadium with a victory. Denver goes into Minnesota to take on the Vikings and get destroyed. New Orleans comes into Tampa and get and wins. They beat Tampa because of Jameis Winston. The Jets go into Washington and will barely come out with a victory over the Redskins. Arizona goes into San Francisco and gets destroyed by San Francisco. Cincinnati goes into Oakland. And comes out limping. The New England Patriots go into Philadelphia and walk out the champs. Chicago versus the LA Rams on Sunday Night Football. The Rams will win at home over the Bears. And Monday Night Football, the Chiefs will go to the LA Coliseum to take on the Chargers and win. So yeah, those are your Week 11 predictions. Which now brings us to the Change My Mind segment this week. 
Last week, you guys did a great job commenting, but I'm going to go with the best comment I had this week coming from SR Criscola. SR Criscola had stated this on the Freddie Kitchens topic last week. The team was so much better when he wasn't in charge, but how much of it is really his fault? And it's a great point because the team was already having problems in the first place last season. But the thing was, they had more structure after Hugh Jackson left and when Greg Williams was the head coach. If you pay attention and listen very carefully to what I said, I had said that Greg Williams should have been the head coach of the Browns. They were 7-8-1 with him. They were 7-8-1. They had a chance to be better than that if Hugh Jackson was not the head coach. But he was for the first few games of the season. When Greg Williams took over, they went on a streak and did very well. And I do believe that he should have been the head coach over Freddie Kitchens. But because Freddie Kitchens took over, the team dynamic got all messed up. We started believing in star power. And plus, if he had stayed, I guarantee you, Odell Beckham would not have been traded. He would have still been a giant or he would have been somewhere else. So Freddie Kitchens is also responsible for having Beckham. But really, how much has Beckham done? Because Baker Mayfield really hasn't looked in his direction as much. So I can't really side with you. I understand that is it really his fault how much of it? I think a lot of it's his fault because they weren't as dysfunctional last season. He would The team was a lot better last season than now. The reason why they're not good now is because the coach destroyed the dynamic, so it's really his fault. He set a new narrative that is not the way you're supposed to play football. It's not the right narrative. So I get it. I get what you're saying. How much of it's really his fault? But the answer is, this season's his fault. Last season? No. This season, it's his fault. And the majority of it's on him. The rest of it, probably on Baker Mayfield. That's all I can say. That's it. But thank you for the comment, SR Criscola. I really appreciate it. Now, moving forward with our new debate topic this week. It's jumping into now a running back who I already mentioned from the Raiders. He's a rookie running back by the name of Josh Jacobs. Very good running back. Very good. One of the best in the league this year. But there's something else we should know. This kid is one of the best running backs I've seen in a while, especially coming out of college. Like Saquon Barkley. But I do believe, to change my mind on this, Josh Jacobs is the rookie of the year. Josh Jacobs is Rookie of the Year, guys. He should be Rookie of the Year. Let me explain it in the best way possible. In, and I believe, 10 games this season, Josh Jacobs is 7th in rushing yards in the NFL with 811. They don't even run the ball as much as they should. He has 7 rushing touchdowns. 6th in the NFL. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry, 11th in the NFL, and he has not fumbled the ball once this year. A back who doesn't fumble the ball, one who consistently performs at a high level, gets great yardage on carries. I mean, what else do you want? That's a perfect running back right there. At least in my book, that's a perfect running back. Josh Jacobs is, I believe, performing on a better level with the Raiders than Kyler Murray has for the Cardinals. I think if you take Josh Jacobs out of the equation, 
the Raiders would not be where they are right now. Just like if you were to take Kyler Murray out of the equation, I believe the Cardinals would not have a single win. But again, people will say, what about Daniel Jones? Yeah, well, he's got Eli Manning. Eli Manning could at least get a win or two. I mean, no. I mean, I understand what Daniel Jones brings to the table, but he's not a rookie of the year candidate, in my opinion. Kyler Murray, and it's between Murray this year and Josh Jacobs. It's between those two. They're going head-to-head here. But I think it's going to go to Josh Jacobs if you just look at the fact of why Josh Jacobs is where he is. Josh Jacobs came out of Alabama. An Alabama product usually does well. In a while, we haven't seen really a good running back come out of Alabama. The only good ones we have in the NFL right now are Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, and now Josh Jacobs. Those three are the best running backs that came out of Alabama. One of the two of them are Heisman winners, and that's Ingram and Henry. But the fact of the matter is, we all know the Raiders' offensive line isn't the best. But the fact is, the kid makes incredible plays with his feet. He he recognizes holes. He punches them. He makes his own holes. And he has enough speed and burst to come around the outside and make separation between him and linebackers and those who try to chase him down. He's fast. He's quick. He's he's strong. That's what you want in a running back. He's a perfect NFL-type running back. This kid is different. I like this kid a lot. I think they hit a home run drafting this kid in the first round. I think it's all making sense now why John Gruden traded all those players to get him. Think about it. He made How many trades did he make last season? He made two or three. He ended up with three first-round picks. And what did he use them on? He used them on Colin Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram. Keep in mind, though, Jonathan Abram did get hurt, but what are you really going to do? The kid played through an injury to finish out week one. That's the kind of kid I want committed and playing for my franchise. That kid's going to be really good when he's healthy. Watch out. Next season, when he comes back, the Raiders are going to be a really tough team to beat. And then Cleland Farrell has slowly been having a productive season. He's not as much of a pass rusher as he's a run stopper. So he's very good at stopping the run coming off the outside. He's very good at that. He's not much of a bull rush over there to get to the passer. He's not really that kind of guy. He's more of just stopping the run and keeping it and containing it. That's what he's good at. Very good at, to be exact. So, it's also come down to how well the team is drafted. You want to talk about mainly just how Josh Jacobs has just turned this entire franchise around. You lose Marshawn Lynch. You're losing all these good running backs you had in the past. And you're like, what am I going to do? You got rid of Doug Martin, too. A, a, a guy that used to be good when he ran for over 1,000 yards once for Tampa. And you took him in and you had him with Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch retires. You cut Doug Martin. You put all your trust in the rookie running back. The rookie running back has one hell of a season. If he goes on the trend he's going right now, I'm telling you, he will be the rookie of the year. I'm telling you, if he's not rookie of the year, he's offensive rookie of the year. He's very, very good. And I think the kid deserves some recognition of some sort. I don't care what you do, he's either offensive rookie of the year or he's rookie of the year. In my book, he is rookie of the year. Kyler is offensive rookie of the year. Again, really, really tight. It could sway at any moment. But Josh Jacobs is still my top guy because he is a top 10 running back in this league in his first season. Right now, he is better than Saquon Barkley. I'm not saying overall. So before you jump the gun, he's not better than him overall. He's having a better season than Saquon. 
That's all I'm saying. I don't want anybody coming at me in the comments and saying that I make no, not making no sense. I'm just saying that Josh Jacobs is better this season than Saquon Barkley. And that's because he's being underutilized. He's better than Joe Mixon right now. He's better than, I can, can I really say Mark Ingram? Yeah. He's better than Mark Ingram right now. Not at scoring, but he's better than Mark Ingram overall. He's better, no, he's not better than Leonard Fournette, not Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey, but he's, again, the point is he's a top running back in the league and he deserves some kind of respect. He does. And some kind of recognition. And I think Rookie of the Year is the perfect way to describe it, and that's what I believe. Josh Jacobs is the Rookie of the Year. Change my mind. If you want to try to change my mind, comment on a post I'll be putting up on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman and on Twitter at tstatsman. Josh Jacobs is the Rookie of the Year. Which now brings us to our final segment of the day. I know, you guys hate it. Oh, no. The winners and losers. For the winners and losers segment this week, we're going back to one player and one team for each category. So, because I want to switch it up as usual, I'm going to go with my losing team of the week with the Los Angeles Rams. The LA Rams lost 17-12 to to the Steelers. I'm sorry, what? They lost 17-12 to to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers! I mean, how do you do that? You let them get 17 points and you put up 12? Get out of here. I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick tore you up and now they're calling Defensive Player of the Year already. And I think it comes down to one thing. I'm tired of people making excuses and saying that it's Todd Gurley's fault. I am tired. I'm sick and tired of hearing it. This is Jared Goff. It is nobody else. This is Jared Goff's fault. And how can I explain it? Let me put it this way. The man had 22 completions on 41 passes. That is under 60% completions. If I'm correct. For 243 yards. Okay, not bad. No touchdowns and two interceptions. I'm sorry, do you or do you not have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on your offense in the receiving court? Do you not? Then there is no excuse that you are doing this. That your team is suffering because you can't throw the long ball against that Pittsburgh secondary. They are not as good as you think it is. He also had three fumbles, which one of them he lost. He can't even hold on to the damn ball. Jared Goff. Can't even hold on to it. Now, here's where he even gets better. It's so much better. Look, they dominated them in different categories of the offense. The Rams dominated them. But why did they lose? Why did they lose? Tell me if this is right. They allowed four sacks on golf. So golf didn't even have time to breathe against the Steelers' D-line. And not only that, their percentage and their efficiency on third down conversions, 7%. I'm sorry, 7%? 
That is a sorry excuse. That means you only converted one third down out of out of about a dozen, maybe even over a dozen opportunities to convert on third down. You only converted it once the entire game. That is unacceptable. Sean McVay should be screaming at his team and tearing into them because that is not right. That is not how you play a football game and that is not how you win. You want to win, you need to perform in both facets of the game. And that's why they lost to the Steelers. Moving on to the winners. The team winner this week, I can't believe I'm saying it, but the Tennessee Titans are the winner this week. There's no denying how good the Titans did against the Chiefs. Although it came down to a blocked field goal, that does not take away from the fact that Tannehill beat Mahomes coming back from injury 35-32. to Now, I can't put this all on Tannehill. Mike Vrabel did a good job with the play calling. He did a great job getting that defense playing tight and trying to hold down that passing game from Mahomes. Ryan Tannehill, though, is a big difference maker compared to Mariota. If Mariota had started, this would have been a different game. This would have been a different game if Mariota was quarterback. But Ryan Tannehill was 13 for 19, 181 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, although it doesn't sound too prolific numbers, the fact of the matter is why the Titans do well is because Tannehill gets it done. It's not about getting the best numbers all the time. That's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not about getting the most numbers. It's about more than that. The point of being a t- of being a quarterback is not is no longer about just you know getting the high numbers over 300, 400 yards passing, and just consistently doing that. It's not about that anymore. It's about helping your team get scoring opportunities and doing your job to get it done. And that's what Tannehill does. Tannehill was never the best quarterback, but the point of the matter is he was good at getting the job done, doing what his job was, and doing everything he can to get the win. And not only that, think about it. He threw, he completed the ball 13 times, and two of those were touchdowns. I mean, usually, usually you'd have like, what, 20 passes and two touchdowns? 20 completions? That didn't happen. He was making smart moves to get in, the ball into the end zone, and trusting his receivers to make big plays to find the end zone. That was great job by Tannehill. Hey, I could go into Derrick Henry too. Derrick Henry had 23 carries for 188 yards and two touchdowns. The kid is phenomenal. He broke out on the scene last season after that 99-yard touchdown he had against the Jaguars. Ever since then, although he hasn't gotten back to that kind of high plays like that, where he's gotten like 80 or 70-yard touchdowns, when he's done, it's produced... Massive yardage on big plays consistently. I mean, think about that. 23 carries, 188 yards. That's an average of 8.2 yards per carry. That's insane number. That means every time he runs the ball, it comes down to like two more yards to go. It's insane. Derrick Henry's a good running back. He has has a deceivingly good speed. I mean, again, the offense was so good and I can't say enough about what Tannehill and the Titans did. I'm so impressed. I'm so happy for them. Tannehill is finally proving he deserves to be a starting quarterback in this league. He's doing a great job. 
You Mariota, my apologies, but you might actually be gone after this season. Sorry, bud. But now we have to go back to the losers again. We now hit the player aspects. And I got to go with the loser this week. That's a little unorthodox. You're not going to know who this is. But when I explain it, you'll understand. For the fans out there who don't know, one of the most important parts of being a coach and being part of a team, especially as a quarterback or running back, is your offensive line. Your offensive line gives you the time to get the ball out and get and make proper decisions. The line gives you enough time for running back to find holes and make plays happen to get outside and get some yardage. When your offensive line can't do that, you suffer and you can't you can't get the job done. It's simple as that. You won't perform at the same level. So, this one goes out this week to a guy by the name of Hal Hunter. If you do not know who Hal Hunter is, he is the offensive line coach for the New York Giants. Ah, see, New York Giants fans just turned their heads. They just knew what I was talking about. The second I said offensive line coach, they knew. The Giants lost this week 34-27. to Okay, that's not, that's normal. But who did they lose to? The New York Jets! You lost to the Jets! Now, usually I'd be going off about the running back, or I'd be going off about the coaching, but I'm going specifically on the O-line coach because of one thing alone. For those keeping track of the stats, the Giants' offense totaled in rushing yards last week 23 yards in the run game. Not a joke, 23 yards running. The leading rusher was Daniel Jones with 20 yards on three carries. The second leading back was Wayne Gallman, who had one carry for two yards. And then third on the list is Saquon Barkley. Yes, you heard that right. Saquon Barkley had less yardage, less than two yards of offense the entire game in running. You know how many? He had one yard total. Do you know uh, why he had one yard total? He had 13 carries for a total of one yard. 13! I'm sorry, what? 13 for... I don't know what to say. I can't say anything here. Look, I'm just going to read this to you the best way. The Giants lost because the offensive line can't do anything right. Look, they came into this game with two new stars because they had two injuries. Okay, that is fine. You can manage with that. But then you had three new faces after the first half. Three new faces. Three new players. Now I'm talking into it, and I'm telling you now. How Hunter, and when you are a coach, when you are a coach. Yeah, I'm going in, Hunter. Look, when you are a coach, specific to one position, Your job is to make sure that not only are the starters well prepared, but the backups are just as prepared, maybe even more prepared. Why? Because in the event of injuries, this is where you have to prepare your backups so that they can fill the starter role and play at the same level. And no, he did not do that. So because he did not do that, the offensive line couldn't even block the defensive line properly. They couldn't block a linebacker. So because of that alone, I guarantee you, 
That is why Saquon Barkley only had one yard on 13 carries. By not preparing your offensive line correctly, this has led to multiple issues involving the Giants here and their performance against the Jets. So this one falls on Hal Hunter. Hunter needs to get it done and fix up his coaching style to make sure his backups are ready. If his backups aren't ready, your team ain't going to be ready and you ain't scoring points against any teams. It doesn't matter. Hal Hunter, you need to improve your coaching style if you want that team to succeed. Otherwise, you might as well be fired. And don't let the door hit you on the way out. Disgraceful what has happened to the Giants offensive line. Shameful. And now I'm going to conclude on a happy note and try to talk about the winner player this week, Baker Mayfield. I'm so happy I finally get to talk about Baker Mayfield. I may not sound happy, but I'm telling you I am. Baker Mayfield has been the butt of all my jokes this season because he just hasn't played at the level he needs to. And I'm so happy I can say that after their 19-16 victory over the Buffalo Bills, keep in mind because of a shanked kick, I can finally say that Baker Mayfield had a great week. He was 26 on 30, 20, he had 26 completions on 38 attempts for 238 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Great game from him. I'm very impressed. We just came to prove the Bills defense can't stop everybody. Your offense has to do something soon. And Baker Mayfield proved that, and he got the win for the Browns to start getting them back on track. Because now they're 3-6 and six and looking to beat the Steelers. And I'm very impressed with what has happened. Baker Mayfield, you got my support, and you won me over this week. Keep it up, man. If you keep playing at this level, you might be able to get this team to rebound. I can't wait to see that. But that's going to do it for us here at the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Make sure to follow us over on Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. Once again, I am your host, the Sideline Statsman, and this has been the Pigskin Pulpit. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.